Good morning, Calvary. My name is Cy Marshall, and I'm the student pastor here. And I'm glad you're here this morning, considering it is spring break, I know, for a lot of people. Uh, so thank you for being here so I don't have to speak to an empty room as we continue our series titled Ebenezer. Series when we've, uh, that we've been going through and looking at various people in Scripture and the faith that they had and how that faith impacted generation after generation and how we can learn from them. And last week, if you were here, you heard Daniel talk about the life of Enoch, a life we don't know all too much about outside the fact that Enoch lived a life faithful to God. And Daniel showed us how gener that made a generational impact and how the generations prior to him, that faith carried on over and over. And he also looked at how on the flip side, as people lived away from God, you could see the impact that made on generations as well. And continuing on this theme of generations and genealogies and family trees, uh, there's a family tree in particular that I would like us to look at today, and so we're going to get into our Christmas spirit. If this was student community, I'd have you guys raise your hand and guess how many days away we are from Christmas, and it is a whopping 280 days. And yes, I had to Google that, of course, uh, so maybe that's good news for you, maybe it's bad news, but let's go ahead. We're going to read Matthew chapter 1. Uh, read the genealogy of Jesus. Abraham fathered Isaac. Isaac fathered Jacob. Jacob fathered Judah and his brothers. Judah fathered Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Aram. Aram fathered Amenadab. Amenadab fathered Nashon. Nashon fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz. Uh, fathered Boaz by Rahab. Ro Boaz fathered Obed by Ruth. Obed fathered Jesse. And Jesse fathered King David. I'm going to skip the next uh, verses and handful of names. We're going to go ahead and jump to 16. And Jacob fathered Joseph, the husband of Mary, who gave birth to Jesus, who was called the Messiah. And if you're like me, you might be going through some version of read the Bible in a year. Or maybe you were going through the read the Bible in a year until you were, you know, a few books in, chapters in, and you were tired of reading list of name after list of name and after list of name. But I think it's safe to say that this list of names, this genealogy, is a little bit more important than all those other names, as this is the genealogy of Jesus. But not only is Jesus in this genealogy, there are a lot of really big names that Matthew put in here and that the readers would have known. Names like Abraham, Isaac, David, Boaz, and Joseph. You know, the fathers of the faith and the people that led, you know, that God worked through to get to Jesus. But there's some names on this list that the readers would not have expected Matthew to put into a, a general, a typical genealogy. Names like Rahab, Ruth, and Tamar. And they would have known those names, and they would have recognized them and known their stories. And it's cool they would see like, oh yeah, they are an ancestor of Jesus, but Matthew put them in there for a reason. They had a part to play. And Rahab is also mentioned in, the, in Hebrews chapter 11, the book we've been looking at to see these different heroes of faith. Hebrews 11, as I've heard it referred to as the Hebrews, or the, the, the Faith Hall of Fame. The Faith Hall of Fame. And Rahab is in there. And the writer says, By faith Rahab the prostitute welcomed the spies in peace and didn't perish with those who disobeyed. And as we will see later, the story of Rahab is a remarkable one. And her story is an Ebenezer that we can point to to learn of God's love and mercy. But before we get fully into Rahab's story, 
I think it'll be helpful and beneficial to backtrack a little bit and to do a quick overview of how we got to Rahab. And by quick overview, I really do mean quick overview. So we're going to start with Abram. One day, God called a man named Abram, who would later be known as Abraham, to be the father of many nations. And he tells him to leave and go to the land that I have for you. So he promises him. He's like, hey, you've got this promised land, and you're going to go and be the father of many nations. And Abraham's descendants would become known as the Israelites. And God would work through the Israelites to make his name known and to ultimately, as we read in the genealogy, to get to Jesus. At one point in time, the nation of Israel found themselves in slavery in Egypt, and, you know, that's never fun. And, you know, God provides them, uh, uh, Moses and Aaron, and Moses and Aaron lead them out of the promised land. And once free from slavery, God gave his people the Ten Commandments. He gives them the Ten Commandments. They wander around in the wilderness for 40 years, obeying God, disobeying God, until finally they are just outside of the land that was promised to them. And once right outside the land that was promised to them, Moses passes away before being able to go in. Joshua is appointed as the new leader, and he decides to send two spies into the land to check it out, to prepare for it. And lo and behold, they arrive at the house of Rahab. And so now we're caught up. We've got to where Rahab is in the story, in the whole big story of the Old Testament in the Bible. But before we go fully into that again, I think there's something really important that we need to pay attention to. And this is the fact that Rahab is a Gentile. She's not Jewish. She's not an Israelite person. In other words, she's not part of God's people. The people that God's been working through for the past 40 plus years, making his name known and ultimately again leading to Jesus. So again, we've got Rahab, this Gentile woman, again, not part of God's family. But not only was Rahab a Gentile, at that time you could argue she was the worst kind of Gentile you could be because she was a Canaanite. She was the people that the Israelites were about to take over their land. They were about to invade, and she was enemy number one. And on top of all of that, Rahab was a prostitute. So on one hand, you've got God's people trying to follow God, and you know, even though they weren't perfect at it, they were still, God was working through them to get to this land. Now, on the other hand, you've got Rahab, non-Israelite, enemy Canaanite, enemy to God's people at the time, and living a sinful life. And yet the role Rahab plays is a remarkable story and with a great lesson to be learned. You see, the spies reached Rahab's house, and Rahab hid them on her roof. Because the king had already caught wind, the king of the land had already caught wind that the spies were in his midst. And so Rahab hides them on her roof as, as the king sends men to go seek out the spies. And the king's men say to Rahab, Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, because they've come to spy on the whole land. And it's already really cool that Rahab has hidden them. Because again, Rahab is the enemy. She's the Canaanite. She's the Gentile. She could have easily said to these men who came to Rahab's house, Hey, they're upstairs. She could have tricked the spies and hid them and been like, all right, I'm going to help you, but really I'm about to turn you in in uh, just a minute when they, when they come to find you. But not only did she hide the men, but she sent the, she sent the men that the king sent down the road. Oh, the spies, they've already left. They went that way. Go get them. They went toward the trees. So she tricks the men. So at the end of the day here, the spies were saved. And that's really cool, right, that, you know, she didn't betray the enemy at time. You know, she didn't betray the spies. 
What's really cool isn't the fact that she saved the spies. What's really cool about Rahab's story is why she did it and the end of the story. So let's listen again to the words of Rahab that night that she hid the spies. Listen to chapter two, chapter 2 of Joshua, and she says this, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that the terror of you has fallen on us. And everyone who lives in the land is panicking because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did at Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings, you completely destroyed across the Jordan. When we heard this, we lost heart. And everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. And the fact that Rahab is the one who says this is fascinating. I'm going to backtrack a little bit again real quick. And the reason the Israelites were in slavery in Egypt was because they were growing very large in number. And the current Pharaoh really feared them, and they feared the power, that the, the numbers that they had, and they were fearing the, the acts that they had already seen God do. So they didn't want them to get any more powerful. Yet once free from slavery, once God set them free, you know, they part the Red Sea, and God's guiding them, and he's working wonders, and even if the Israelites were not a perfect people the whole time, and they would mess up, they would do the right thing, they would mess up, God was still working. He was making his name known, and we see Rahab said, we've heard what you've done. We've heard about what your God can do, that, that he's, he's guiding you, he's protecting you, and that fear of the Lord has spread throughout the land. And I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but I do know that the way Rahab referred to God was the way a Jewish person would refer to him, an honorable way, an honorable way, a way out of respect, not a condescending or sarcastic like, oh yeah, you're God, you know, he's really going to help us or he's going to do, no, it was out of respect, proclaiming the name Yahweh and Elohim and saying it in the order that a Jewish person would, for the Lord your God is God, for the Lord Yahweh is God, Elohim, of heaven and on earth. And again, remember who Rahab is, the Canaanite, Gentile, prostitute. And here she is, speaking the name of God, in awe and wonder and fear of his power and fear of what God can do. And she feared the Lord, our God. And out of that, out of that reasoning, she had decided to help the spies. And it's safe to say that this is not even close to normal. Like, this wasn't a regular occurrence that the Gentiles and the Canaanites would, like, fear the Lord or that they would help out the Israelites. They were on opposing teams. And I'm not going to read the rest of the story and the invasion of the Israelites into the, into the Promised Land, but we'll see later in Joshua 6 that Rahab and her whole family were spared. That was the deal that, that was made between the spies and Rahab. But the most important part that I want you to catch here is that they continued to live in Israel. They continued to live in Israel. Again, this Canaanite woman, this Gentile leading a sinful life, living in the promised land with God's people, not only living in the promised land with God's people, but we see ultimately that she was in the genealogy of Jesus, an ancestor of Jesus. And not only is she in the faith hall of fame of Hebrews 11, but I learned this week that she was the only Gentile mentioned in that whole entire chapter. The only non-Jewish person to be mentioned and regarded 
as a person of faith. She was a part of God's mighty plan, and she helped God's people, ultimately being adopted into the family in a sense. But as always, the question might remain like, all right, that's a really cool story. That's a really cool story about Rahab and what Rahab did and how she helped the spies, but how does that apply to me? What do I do about this? And to answer that, I'd I'd like us to go to Ephesians chapter 1, one of my favorite passages, one of my favorite books. This is what Paul writes. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in the heavens in Christ. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, to be holy and blameless in love before him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one. In him we have redemption through the blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Blessed be the Lord and God of our Savior, Jesus Christ, that we're adopted into God's family through Jesus, and we're redeemed through his sacrifice. Because that is the whole story of the Bible. That is what the whole Old Testament's leading to. It's all pointing to Jesus. It's a story of redemption. It's a story of God working through his people and through all kinds of people that you wouldn't expect to bring everyone into his family, into God's family. For God so loved the world, right, that whoever believed in him will not perish but have eternal life. God's desire is for all of us to live for him, to follow him, to be part of God's family. Not just the good kids, not just the Bible Belt or Americans, not just people who are already believers, not just people who look like you or act like you or that you agree with every single topic, but I really mean everyone. And I think the story of Rahab paints this picture of God's mercy and desire for everyone to be part of his part of his family so perfectly. Because I think if you and I were in the Israelite shoes and you came across Rahab, the negative thoughts would have come flooding in. She's a Canaanite, a Gentile. God has no purpose for her. She's not one of us. She's a prostitute. I'm not going to interact with her. I'm going to keep my distance. Not Jewish, not my problem. But maybe I should modernize this a little bit and I want you to think about who is that individual? Who is that group of people for you that you struggle to show mercy to? Who is that person that you look at them and you catch, you catch their eye for a second and you immediately look the other way? Or you don't give them a second chance? Or maybe you look at them and you think, I bet I'd never see them at church. I bet I wouldn't be friends with that person. Something we might not ever say out loud, but we might think it. Or subconsciously act on that? Is it a coworker of yours? Is it the parents of one of your kids' friends? Is it someone you see struggling on the side of the road? Is it a family member? Someone you used to be close with, but they burned you in the past, and so now you don't even want to give them another chance? A person with different beliefs? A person with a different lifestyle? Who has the Rahab in your life that you're quick to count out? The enemy the sinner, the outcast. Up on the screen here, you'll see a picture. This is Travis Tyler. And Travis grew up in the streets of St. Louis. And while growing up, he quickly 
early on got involved in gang activity, dealing drugs at just the age of 12. And as he got into high school, he said, he said in an interview, he said, yeah, school got in the way of my business, got in the way of the gang activity, got in the way of dealing drugs, so he dropped out. That's a little bit of his background. And one day, one of Travis's best friends was shot right in front of him. And Travis was accused of the murder, arrested, and thrown in jail. And I tell you this because if you took a look at Travis Tyler, heard where he was from, maybe saw where he grew up, heard a little bit of that background, chances are we might have had negative thoughts like an Israelite may have looked at, at Rahab. You know, he should be in jail anyways. Sounds like an intimidating guy, like gang members and drug dealings. I'm going to keep my distance from that guy. He may have never killed anyone, but he still deserves to be arrested for his crimes and the things he's done. And maybe thoughts of negativity, hopelessness, and pride, your own pride, may enter your mind. But just like in the story of Rahab, God moves in mighty and unexpected ways and unexpected people in unexpected times. And while sitting in that jail cell, he remembered a conversation that he had with his grandma, something his grandma told him when he was growing up a long time ago. And she would tell him about God and tell him, hey, you need to pray, Travis. You need to pray. And he was like, whatever. But at that time, he was like, you know, I've got nothing better to do because I should go to jail anyways. So he took, a time, took some time and he prayed. And that day, he was like, if I get out of here, I'm going to live for God. I'm going to figure out who this God is that my grandma was telling me about. Sure enough, he gets out of jail and he slowly distances himself from that past life and starts living for Jesus. And Travis Tyler had other skills. He wasn't just a good drug dealer, but he was a good rapper. And ultimately, he used his skills in rapping to become a Christian rapper, rapping, spreading the, the good news of the gospel in a different way to people who might not have heard the gospel otherwise. And to this day, he's still making a difference in St. Louis giving back to the city he grew up in. So you've got Rahab, the Canaanite prostitute. You've got Travis Tyler, the ex-gang member, high school dropout, drug dealer. And the third story I want us to think about is you and I. You and I. And what do all three have in common? All three sinners in need of God's grace and mercy all three forgiven through faith in Jesus Christ who died for each and every one of us. All three given the chance to be adopted into the greatest family ever. And that's the promise that Jesus gives. So if you're here today and you're feeling lost, you're feeling hopeless, you're feeling like there's nowhere for you to go, I hope that you can look to the stories of Rahab Look to the stories of Travis Tyler and know God's not done with you. That God has a purpose for you. And he can use anyone for his will, for his purpose, and to make his name known, to build his kingdom. And so if that's you today and you've got questions about that, you've got questions about what it means to follow Jesus, or how do I receive that forgiveness, or how do I become part of this family, we would love to talk with you about that. And there's going to be some of us down up front to your right at the end of the service, and we'd love to pray with you. But for those in here today who are part of God's family, you're given your, you've given your life to Jesus, you are living for him to make his name known. My prayer for all of us today is that we would never look down on another person as someone that God couldn't use. That we would be able to remember the stories of, of Rahab and Travis Tyler and know God 
has a purpose for everyone. And that every person we come in contact with, we would remember that they are loved by God. They are made in his image. In the same way we've received forgiveness and are living for Jesus now, they can too. That no one's too far away from God's grace. And one way we can remember this is by remembering that everybody has a story. Today we heard the story of Rahab, the story of Travis. I've got a story. You've got a story. We've all got a story. And there's so many more stories that I could share of God's grace, of how he works in amazing ways. And so today, my daily training for us is going to revolve around story. And first off, I want you to write down your story. Write down your story. Reflect on your life and your ups and downs. Think of how God has worked in your life and got you to where you are now. This is a great practice to remember God's faithfulness. But I think even more importantly, it's a great great way to remind us that at one time, we were like Rahab. We were like Travis Tyler lost and in need of God's grace and in need of forgiveness. And the second part is I want you to ask about someone else's story. Ask someone else's story. As the saying goes, right, never judge a book by its cover. Never judge a book by its cover. And I'd encourage you this week to every person you come in contact with, remember they have a story. They have a story, and they might have had some past stuff happen in their life, or they they might be struggling right now. And I pray that you would just get the chance to ask them, hey, tell me your story. And if it's someone you know who's a follower of Jesus, ask them to share how they came to know God and learn about God's faithfulness again and be reminded of that. And may that be a reminder to you that God's still working and that God wants to keep working in your life now. And if you ask someone who's not a follower of Jesus, I pray that you would go into that with an open heart and an open mind. Just be there and truly listen to them. I think just even asking that question, hey, will you tell me your story? Let me get to know you better. You don't have to, you can do it as corny as that if you want. You tell me your story or you can just start a conversation and get to know them. Ask questions. I think that shows you care. And go into that with that open heart and open mind knowing God loves this person. And maybe even it'll open an opportunity for you to share your story. And the reason I chose to focus on stories is I think story is a great Ebenezer, something we can point to, something we can talk about to remember, hey, God did this in my life. Rahab is an Ebenezer. Her story is an Ebenezer. The fact that she lived outside, lived with the Israelites, the Israelites could see her any day, see her family and say, hey, she's living among us. God used her. She helped our people. She helped the spies out. And that was a story that's someone that they can point to of God's mercy. So I pray that as we attempt this training, as we think of our stories, as we ask other people's stories, again, that our hearts would be softened. I pray that we would know God has a desire and a purpose for everyone to follow him and to build his kingdom. Earlier I mentioned John 3, 16 in passing. Again, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And it's this promise, that's the reason we worship our God. That's the reason we share our stories, and that's the Ebenezer we point to. And that scripture is just another reminder of why we take the Lord's Supper together. Another reminder why we remember the the body, his body broken for us, and the blood poured out for us, his blood poured out for us.
So go ahead and grab the elements. And if you didn't get that on the way in, raise your hand. We'd love to have someone swing that by you. Keep your hand raised and they will get that to you. Again, as we take these elements, the body, Jesus' body, we remember it broken for us. His blood poured out for us and the sacrifice that he made. And we're going to do something a little bit different this morning. I know um, sometimes we'll all take it at once or you take it as soon as the opportunity arises. But this morning, I'd encourage you to just take a minute. Take a minute to pray. And you can pray individually, just in your seat with the elements. You can pray with your family or who you came to church with, however you want to do it. But I just want you to take a minute to hold that and really think of who Jesus is. Think of what he did. Think of how you've been adopted into that family. And remember God's grace. Remember his mercy. Think about your story. And after that minute, I will pray for us and, uh, and, and we'll all take the elements at the same time and continue in worship. So let's go ahead and we're going to take a minute to pray. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we thank you for the story and just the truth, knowing what you did for us. That you came to this earth and died and rose again so that we all might be forgiven and adopted into your family. And we're so thankful for that. And so this week, God, would you help us to remember how you've worked in our lives? Would you help us to remember the stories of Rahab and Travis Tyler? And may that help us open our eyes and just see the people around us to see every person that we come in contact with as someone made in the image of God and loved by you. And may we make your kingdom known and continue to grow your family. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's go ahead and take communion together, and we'll stand and we'll worship.